Well, welcome everybody. It's good to see you all this morning. Everybody's smiling and happy, the sun's shining up above the clouds. We live in a great spot. We're really very fortunate for that. It's a, it's a beautiful place here in northern Colorado, and God blesses us very regularly with great weather and opportunity to enjoy it. It's good to see you all. It's good to have a chance to open God's Word again as we continue through 2 Corinthians chapter 6. So I brought my slide, oh, the heart quit beating. Man, I worked hard to get a beating heart for you guys today, and it worked earlier, but it must have got tired. Well, it's uh, the week of Valentine's Day. It's a time that in many places we think of love and, and loving others and such. And it's, it's interesting how God just orchestrates the messages and how he figures out where to put things and, and what to do. Because while Valentine's Day isn't a biblical thing by any stretch of the imagination, it was designed by Hallmark. But it is something about love, and that's just what we're going to talk about today. So in, in the Second Corinthians chapter 6, verses 11 through 13, Paul's really describing his love for the Corinthians through this. And, and so we get an opportunity to do that. I actually tried to do some research about Valentine's Day, because I know very little about it, and I thought I would give you some wise or wonderful history lesson on Valentine's Day. And the best I can tell is nobody really knows for sure why we have Valentine's Day. There's about 20 or 30 different theories behind it and different people that it is based upon and and different Valentines, i.e. people named Valentine that, that this may well be named from. The interesting part is that as you look at this, none of these guys named Valentine were particularly romantic. None of them really had anything to do with romance in, in, in their lives and what they did. Uh, many of the, the Valentines that, that I read about were all martyred in the early days, uh, sometime probably around 250 to 350, something like that. So, so they, they were martyred, they were believers, but they didn't have anything specifically romantic about them. The best theory behind this that I read was a guy that was... Uh, Around the time of Claudius II, I believe, emperor of Rome, and he, uh, they got in a debate, this Valentine and Claudius, and Claudius was trying to convert him to Roman paganism, and he was trying to convert Claudius to Christianity. They didn't ever meet in the middle. Uh, they both held their ground, and he was beheaded, right? Died for his faith. His willingness to stand up for the emperor and say, no, you can have my life. I won't give I won't give away my faith. And so the theory behind this is that at some stage he had miraculously healed or God had miraculously healed through him the jailer's daughter. She was blind and she regained her sight. And there where it gets dicey is there some folks say that he sent her a letter just before the beheading signed Valentine. And others say that people heard of him and his stance and they gave letters to him in his jail just cell just before they beheaded. Bottom line is we don't know for sure. It became popular in the United States around 1840. And of course, as we do everything, uh, businesses looked at this and thought, man, this is a great opportunity to make some money. So now it's become a very popular thing in, in the United States and in fact is around the world. So there you go. More than you perhaps ever wanted to know about Valentine's Day, when the reality is the Valentines that were martyred weren't particularly romantic people uh, other than their love for God. And, uh, and so what a great opportunity. 
So we're going to dive in now to 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 11 through 13. And this, to be honest with you, I really struggled with these three verses. I, I thought, this is just hard stuff. It, 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 it's nothing clear. It's one of those verses that, or, or series of verses that it just seems to kind of go in circles. It doesn't seem to say a lot, but yet it seems to say a bunch. And, and I really struggled trying to understand what to even say before you guys. And, and you know, last week was seemed very, very clear what God had put together. Next week is fairly well defined, but there was this inner part that, that I was trying to work out what in the world to say. And, and, and it was, uh, I was reading through one of the commentaries and I think it really summed it up nicely. It's, it's almost as if Paul, for once, was stumbling for words to explain his feelings for the Corinthians. He was struggling with that. He was having a hard time trying to get across to them. He dearly loved these people. And he seemed to struggle with that in in this letter here. And so he kind of talked around it. So we're going to jump in and look at this and try to understand what he was saying or what we believe he was saying and the outcome of it. So let's just let's just open in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, you, you know everything. And you know very well that, that this was hard for me. This week was challenging to come up with, with something to say. And yet, Lord, I feel that you have distilled things down to a point where it makes sense. And I just pray that that's your desire to share today. And if not, just change it. Put in whatever you need to put. Lord, we, we celebrate Valentine's Day this week on, on Thursday. And, and it's a day that we make much of and we talk about love and, and I think in most cases we mean lust when we say it, but, but we talk about love and we talk about loving people and we talk about being loved and we give gifts to show our love and we, we get gifts for others to show us their love and, and things. But yet we know that love really comes back to you. You are the originator. How exciting that is to know the source of love. We can struggle with it, with the understanding. We can struggle with showing it. We can struggle with comprehending it. But we are, we know who came up with it. And Lord, like everything else, when we struggle, we need to come to you, the source. And we need to come to you to find out what it means. So would you open our hearts today, Lord? As Paul was saying to the Corinthians, Would you enlarge them for each other? Would you make them bigger than they were when we came in this morning? Would you please, Lord, help us to really know the meaning of and show the qualities of love? And it's in Jesus' name we ask these things. Amen. All right, so let's look at verse 11. We're going to just take each of these verses independently and, and see what Paul's talking to. So you remember last week we talked about being ambassadors and the importance of, of, of being ambassadors and how we, we may not have the fancy limos with the flags and the entourages and things, but we have a far more important job than the political ambassadors of the world because we're ambassadors for the king of kings. For the Lord of Lords, for the Creator. We are ambassadors for God, not for, for some humanly defined political area that we call a country. 
Right? Something that has these imaginary borders at some level, or in some cases very real borders. But rather, we are ambassadors for the God of all creation, heaven and earth and everything. There are no borders to our ambassadorship. There's no point where we stop and say, well, I'm ambassador here, but Chris, you're ambassador from this point on. Right? And, and maybe over here, uh, Scott, you're the ambassador of this area. We're ambassadors, period. God doesn't give us regions to be ambassadors in, although he does give us opportunities and places where we often have the opportunity to be ambassadors. So our work environment, our home environment, our neighborhoods, all these things give us opportunities to do that. So Paul spent a fair amount of time here talking about being ambassadors and, and not have, and not allowing us ourselves to slow the, the, the kingdom to giving no offense in anything. And he went on and talked about all those challenges last week. And now he's, he's, he's continuing on in this. So I bring this back up because you need to remember that, that the context of this is Paul just laid out for these guys the reality of what they're supposed to do. As Corinthian believers, they are expected to be ambassadors as well. So the same thing we talked about last week is the thing we start with, with understanding what he's telling us today. And if we don't look at that, then this really doesn't mean anything. This is nicely sandwiched between an exhortation of being an ambassador Right? You are an ambassador and it will look like this. Make sure that you don't discredit the gospel. Right? Doesn't matter whether you're beaten, doesn't matter whether you're praised. It doesn't make any difference. Don't impede the gospel in the kingdom. That's your job as an ambassador. Now we've got what we're going to talk about today, sandwich, where he's talking about his love for the Corinthian. And then next week we're going to talk about a response. You're an ambassador. You need, today we're going to talk about love, and Paul's going to help them understand their struggles with loving each other. And then, and then he's going to talk to them about some issues. So that's what this all looks like. And again, you have to pull it all together. If you separate any of these parts, it doesn't give you the wholeness that the whole passage is designed to give. So in verse 11, Paul says to the Corinthian, on the tale of... Of, of verses 10 where he says as sorrowful yet always rejoicing as poor yet making many rich as having nothing yet possessing of all things and then he says to them Corinthians our mouth has spoken freely to you O Corinthians our heart is opened wide now we know Paul was a free speaker you know Paul spoke what was on his heart he was not one to mince words. He was not one to hide things from people. He, if, he, if, he, if God was telling Paul to share with someone something, he did it. He didn't hold back. Our mouth has spoken freely to you. We see that again in Ephesians chapter 6. There's a, there's a great perspective there. Paul wanted to make sure that he was always faithful. And he wanted to make sure that he was always bold. As we look at Ephesians chapter 6, verses 18 through 20, he's saying to the Ephesians, with all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the Spirit and with this in view, to be on the alert with all perseverance and petition for all the saints. And pray on my behalf that utterance may be given to me in the opening of my mouth to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains, and that in proclaiming it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. Paul's heart was to always have the ability to speak boldly and to tell the truth, to hold nothing back. That should be our prayer. 
we know we're ambassadors along with Paul. He happened to be an ambassador in change when he wrote the letter to the Ephesian. We're ambassadors as well. The good news is none of us are chained to anything. We aren't in a jail cell. We don't have some jail person watching our every move, bringing in only what we absolutely have to have to exist, right? We have the freedom to go everywhere and do everything. Paul, at time, was an ambassador to those who were chained to him, right? He considered every opportunity a blessing, every situation an opportunity, And he would look at it that way. And he would pray for boldness. He wanted to be able to speak clearly. He wanted to be able to speak plainly. And he wanted to hold nothing back because he realized that in holding things back, that the people he was speaking to lost out on the message. That ought to be our prayer. Our prayer ought to be for each other, that we would speak boldly, that we would be willing and desirous to speak freely with people. As Paul said, our mouth has spoken freely to you. God provided the boldness for Paul, right? It was an answer to all of those prayers, all of those desires that he had. He loved the Corinthians. He loved these guys very, very deeply. And he wanted to share that with them. So he continues on, oh, Corinthian. This, this concept is, oh, Corinthians, this is one of inc- intense and strong passion and feeling. It's not, oh, Corinthians, right? It's, oh, Corinthians, I'm giving you everything. Our heart, he's speaking of him and the fellow disciples, our heart is opened wide. It probably translates better to our heart is enlarged. The concept here is is that the heart is the seat of emotions. And we're going to talk about that in, in the next verse as well because he really brings that back in. So it's the seat of emotions, the heart. It's where where we reach down into and get what we're really made of. And that's not always good. Right When Paul talks about the tongue and the force of the tongue, remember he talks about that the tongue reaches into the heart. It dips into the heart. And what comes out of your mouth is what's in your heart. That's not always positive. In this case, Paul's talking about the good stuff, the things that we do right when we talk about that. His heart is enlarged. It's bursting at the seams. Right? How many of you have seen The Grinch Who Stole Christmas? Right? We know what makes the difference in the end because his heart grows three sizes. He had been reading Corinthians. His heart was enlarged. And it's an interesting deal. It would be fascinating to go back and find out from Dr. Seuss whether there was anything about that. But, but his heart was enlarged, and Paul was talking about that as well. Now, it's not as if the Corinthians has been all about praising and making Paul's life good. Right? The whole reason that we know we have Second Corinthians because there were a number of false teachers, false prophets, and people that had come into Corinth and had been able to gain roots into the Corinthian church because they allowed it. It wasn't as if everything was good in Corinth. It wasn't that, man, these guys were around patting Paul on the back. It's good to have you, man. You're the greatest guy to have around. They were questioning Paul's integrity. They were questioning his message. They were questioning God, because of Paul. 
So it wasn't as if Paul had every reason in the world to love the Corinthians. Fact is, he probably had as many reasons as we do for those people we struggle with to dislike them. Oh, let's make it personal, right? That's what it was here. Paul was being mistreated by the Corinthians, and he wrote this letter because of that. And yet he had the deepest, most sincere love for these people than you could ever imagine. What right do we have for those who, who do nothing to us? They have never beaten us or stoned us or questioned our character. What right do we have to not love them? He's, Paul's a great example for us. It's an interesting deal. One of the commentaries I was reading on this talked about the fact that when your heart is full of love, it can't help but to express it. You can't stop it. I would contend that when your heart is full of anything, it is impossible for it not to express it. So we must question what we're filling our hearts with when what's coming out isn't love, when what's coming out isn't encouraging, isn't uplifting and building. What is it then that we have filled our heart with that it is now overflowing with that? So from the heart will come what we really think, what we really believe, what our actions will be. So where's your heart and what's it full of? What's it full of today? Psalms 119.32. It's a beautiful verse. We studied Psalm 119 in youth group this week. Looking about the importance of studying the Bible. And in verse 32, how do, we, how do we enlarge our hearts? You don't go to a plastic surgeon to get a heart enlargement. Right? It isn't going to work. You go to the Word. Psalm 119.32, I shall run the way of the, thy commandments, for thou will enlarge my heart. How do we get a big heart? Go to the guy who created us and ask for one. Fill her up. I want to be full of love, God. I want my heart to be enlarged for the people that you have in my environment. My family, my friends, the people I work with. I want my heart to be full for them. Isaiah 60, verse 5. Then you will see and be radiant, and your heart will thrill and rejoice. Because the abundance of the sea will be turned to you. The wealth of the nations will come to you. What an exciting thing to walk into a building somewhere and your heart thrills with rejoicing. Have you ever felt that? Have you ever been there? Have you been gone and you've come back to your spouse or your family and your heart races? with It's thrilled with that moment in time. That's what Paul was feeling for these Corinthians. He couldn't be there, so he's writing them a letter, and he's trying to explain to them just exactly how he feels and what's going on with his heart. In Philippians 1.7, he tells the Philippians, For it is only right for me to feel this way about you all, because I have you in my heart, since both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, you are all partakers of grace with me. 
He tells him the first, if you look in verse 6, for I have been confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Jesus. And he feels that way because they're in his heart, because he cares, because there's an intense passion and feeling towards these people. And Paul felt like this for all the people. That's the neat part about Paul is that he, he wasn't limited. He wasn't limited with the groups. Maybe I'll like the Corinthians. I'm going to love the Corinthians. Those Ephesians, i got to tell you, they're a little annoying to me. Yeah. Maybe the Romans, oh, for crying out loud, in Rome. It's all about the roads in the Rome, right? He's, but Paul loved these people. You can go through all of his epistles in the, and he talks about the love that he had. So his heart was open wide. His heart was enlarged for the Corinthians. And he goes on in verse 12 to, dis, to, to continue on. There. And he says, you are not restrained by us, but you are restrained in your own affections. He's in essence telling them, I've done everything I can for you, Corinthians. I've been willing to give my life for you, Corinthians. I've stood up for everything. I have stood by while you blaspheme God. When, when you let in people that, that you know better. And finally I had to say something. You're not hindered by me, Corinthians. You are your own problem. It's an interesting thing, this concept of restrained is, is actually translated in other areas to be straightened. But the concept is one of to be made narrow. Right? To compress or crush. It's the opposite of enlarging. So Paul's heart is enlarged for the Corinthians. It's open wide. It's big. It is for everyone to see everything. Nothing to be hidden. Whereas the Corinthians, Paul's saying, have, have restrained or straightened their hearts. They have compressed them. They have narrowed them. It's as if there's no room for love in the Corinthians' hearts. And that's the problem. They have taken their hearts and they have smushed them down. This, this center of their emotions, this center of their ability to care for people and that they have crushed it like an aluminum can, right? Aluminum cans, 12 ounce aluminum cans will hold 12 ounces of fluid until you crush them. And they hold nothing. It's the same sort of concept. Paul says to them, comparing that, right? My heart is so open wide, it is so full, that no matter what you do to me, I'm going to love you. And the Corinthians are over on the other side saying, Wow. Paul just told us that our hearts are so small and so compressed that there's not even room for any love. He's trying to help them see what that looks like. In this second part where you're restrained in your own affections, the affections translates better to bowels, right? You're, you're restrained or straightened in your own bowels. Now, I love going back through and looking at the language and, and such because I think it really helps us. When we think of bowels, we don't think of the heart for the most part, I'm going to guess. Right? Most of us don't think of the heart in the bowels section. However, in the Greek, that's not the case. They talk about an upper bowel and a lower bowel. Right? 
We have lost the upper part. We've somehow replaced that with something. But in this, in the Greek, they refer to the heart, liver, and lungs. So I have an anatomy picture up there for you, just to remind you. The upper part with the lungs, heart, and then the liver, and then the lower part with the intestinal tract. So the the concept was, of course, that the heart is is the seat of emotions and passions, especially the most tender of emotions and affections, pity and love and all of the things that we talk about this time of year for Valentine's Day. The problem that the Corinthians had is that there wasn't room for them to do that. Paul expected from the Corinthians very little in terms of worldly things. He talked about different times of his rights for comfort, clothing, food, and all these things from the people that he served. But he almost always would stop with, but I would rather that you would come to faith or that you would love the people around you. He didn't want stuff. But he did feel that he was owed some portion of respect and love back from these people because of all that he had done. And so in verse 12, he's just telling them that, you know, we didn't stop you from being able to love Corinthians. It's not our fault. It's your own problem. It's your own issue. So do you need to respect and deal with that? You can imagine that he was willing to tell them, the source of love, the source of the enlarged heart, and where, where to go for that and to how to help them. And he had told them many times. In 1 Corinthians 13, we see that he talks about love. What a great chapter. If I speak with the tongues of men and angels but do not have love, I have become a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have the gift of prophecy and, and know all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but I do not have love, I am nothing. And if I give all my possessions to feed the poor, and if I deliver my body to be burned, but do not have love, it profits me nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. It is not jealous. Love does not brag and is not arrogant. It does not act unbecomingly. It does not seek its own. It is not provoked, does not take into account a wrong suffered, does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoices with the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. But if there are gifts of prophecy, they will be done away. If there are tongues, they will cease. If there is knowledge, it will be done away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part, when the perfect comes, the partial will be done away. When I was a child, I used to speak as a child, think as a child, reason as a child. When I became a man, I did away with childish things. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know fully, just as I have been fully known. But now abide faith, hope, and love, these three. But the greatest of these is love. You think Paul understood anything about love? Do you think it was about going to a store and buying a heart-filled box of chocolates? Nothing wrong with that. But it just strikes me when you think about these and you look at this, how we have messed it up. You know, I, mean, I was listening to the radio the other day, and they're talking about an online dating service, and it's clean close to Valentine's. Wouldn't you like to meet someone this year, right, that can be that Valentine you've always dreamed of? 
It's five days before Valentine's Day. You're going to meet somebody on the computer that's going to change your life? There's going to be this, this person that has, has been designed to completely complete you? What a sad state of affairs we are in. How we look at things. It's, the, it's this concept of immediate gratification. I don't want to make an effort to do these things. I don't want to work on these things. I want it to come to me. And Paul's trying to tell the Corinthians, you got it all wrong. You guys don't have it right. You don't understand. That isn't going to make it work. Showering gifts is great when you love someone and you desire to to do that for them. But giving gifts in lieu of love will never satisfy. It will never give your spouse or your children or your parents or the people you work with, it will never give them what they need. Gifts are not bad. There's nothing wrong with giving people gifts on Valentine's Day. But if they are in place or in lieu of heartfelt devotion, they're empty. They're ragged. They're dirty. Rags. Right? They're nothing. It's like having all the ability to prophesy. But no love. It's of no value. The Corinthians were restrained in their affections because they had made their hearts too small. They collapsed them and brought them down so nothing could fit. There was no room. Now, one of the neatest parts about reading through this verse is that I am looking at the antithesis of verse 12 here with you guys. This is a body that is so full of love that it is overwhelming sometimes to be part of it. It is so cool. So as a point of encouragement to all of you, Paul wouldn't have had to write you this part. He wouldn't have had to talk to you about enlarging your hearts. There's probably still room to grow. But you guys are fantastic about this. I mean, I have in bold letters with exclamation part in my notes, this does not describe the people at Windsor Community Church, which is just a blessing to be part of. So be encouraged, please, with that. Oftentimes I think... There's more discouragement than encouragement sometimes, especially for me. So be encouraged. That doesn't describe you. And this is a great opportunity, encouragement now, when you put back on your ambassador hat the minute you leave here, of realizing you're full of love. It's got to come out. Don't stop it. It's going to happen. Let it go. There are people in your neighborhood. There are people at your job. There are people that you're going to see on the street that need to be loved. Let it flow. Hold nothing back. Love is one of the most amazing things. You can't get rid of it. Right? You can't use it up. If you truly have a heart full of love, it stays that way. No matter how much you use, you don't have to hoard it. You don't have to hold on to it and say, man, I I like having this amount of love. But if I give some away, I won't have that much anymore. That's not the way it works. It's self-replenishing from the Father. He does that. As we move on to verse 13, Paul continues on. Now, in a like exchange, I speak as to children, open wide to us also. 
It probably would have been easier if Paul would have written this. I'm speaking to you as children now. In a like exchange, open wide to us also. He threw that, I speak to you as children, in the middle. It's a qualifier. It's a, I'm going to tell you something, but in the middle of my thought, I realized I'm treating you like children. Because I have to. Because I need to. Because you're making me do it. And then he finishes his thought. In a like exchange really is by way of exchange. Open your heart to me as well. So it comes back in a like exchange, really fits into our mouth has spoken freely to you, O Corinthians. Our heart is opened wide. And now he's wanting to say, in a like exchange, because of that, would you please do that for me? Would you please open your hearts to me? Paul considered himself a father to the Corinthians. If we go to 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 14 and 15, he's writing to them, I do not write these things to shame you, but to admonish you as my beloved children. For if you were to have countless tutors in Christ, yet you would not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I became your father through the gospel. Paul had a really special relationship with the Corinthians. And it must have been very difficult because I think in many cases, the Corinthians would have been the most difficult of his of his the people he worked with. They seem to have some of the greatest issues with things. So it must have been hard to see them. I also know that when you as a father, when you when you look at things, your expectations are always higher. Right. And that's a challenge. It's a challenge for our children. Just ask mine. It's a challenge because I have the most incredible expectations for them because I know them better than anyone else. I see their gifts, their abilities, the things that God has given them. And I know that there's so little that can stop them. And that becomes very difficult because I see that my expectations are very high, as were Paul's for the Corinthians. He's telling them to love him like he has loved them in an exchange. He's not going to stop speaking to the Corinthians with boldness. In fact, is he's really setting them up because this next portion that we're going to talk about next week, verses 14 through 18, is going to be some tough stuff for the Corinthians. So there are going to be some hard issues for the Corinthians. And he's explaining to them how much he loves them so they understand, when I bring this to you, no. It is out of love and compassion from me to you that I do this. That it is not that I've taken this lightly. It is so important that we, as a body of believers, have mutual love for each other. If we don't, how will we love those outside the kingdom? And if we don't love those outside the kingdom, how will they know the the Savior? We have such an important gift to give to those who need Jesus. And it starts with us loving them. And it ends with them loving Him. And then loving others. 
It's reciprocating. And it's just, it just keeps going. And we have that chance to do that. We need to make sure that we are practicing that here. Because it will be easier to do in the world when we're well practiced here. And having said that, you guys are great at this. You're fantastic about it. It's, the love it just fills this place. And, and when we gather together, be it a, a Sunday morning or in community groups or whatever, there's just a sense of compassion for people that flows from everyone here. And now it's time to start taking that out. Right? Don't leave it for just here. That's the other mistake we often make as believers is that we, we, we're so comfortable being in this world where it's nice and warm and it's full of love and compassion and our needs are met and we feel good about it. It's easy to just stay here. Stay in that group. Because the world is scary. The world's got things that bite and kick and scratch and won't love us back. Maybe ever in our lifetime. But that's not what God asked for us to do. It's not what Paul's telling the Corinthians to do. It's a step-by-step process, and I'm, I'm afraid to tell you that you guys have already gone through the first step. Time to start working on the second one. There's incredible love here. Now take it out. So as we close, these are some of the summary points that, that, that I, I came up with from these verses. Questions for you, just to look at. Are our hearts enlarged, open, wide, full, depending upon how you want to put it, for those in the body? And I'm going to say yes, resoundingly that's answered. Home. I think most of our homes are full of love as well. What about your neighborhood and the workplace? I was reminded this week of an area that I continue to struggle with about that. And and just the reinforcement that there are people that I have deemed unlovable. But who gave me the right? Who told me I could decide that? Who said to me, today, Dean, you can be in charge of deciding who's lovable and not lovable at your job. And you don't have to love the unlovable ones because they are, by definition, unlovable. Right? Does God love the people that I work with? Enough to die for them. I guess I think that's love. Do I love them? That's a struggle for me. There are some that I don't love, but I need to. What kind of ambassador am I when I pick and choose those I want to ambassador to? Not a very good one. Second question, are we willing to take the time to get to know people so that our hearts slash affections are not restrained? Are we willing to take some time and make the effort to get to know the people that we just don't really want to get to know? Because again, it's not my call. God will determine who will and will not join him in heaven. But I will not. I am not the gatekeeper. I don't have the key to the gate to lock it. I have the key to open it. But I do not have the key to lock it. Why do I treat some like I do? Why are there some people in my world that I treat like I have the key to lock them out. 
And then lastly, are we willing to speak to in love? The critical part there is in love to those that need encouragement and admonition and exhortation. Are we, like Paul, willing to come to them and say, I'm going to speak freely with you because I love you so much that I can't not. But will they already know of our love because we have exhibited it to them? Our mouth has spoken freely to you. Oh, Corinthians, our heart is open wine. You are not restrained by us, but you are restrained in your own affection. Now in a like exchange, I speak as to children, open wide to us also. And next week, we're going to talk about the tough stuff. This is a hard verse. We have some personal experience in this area, how difficult it can be to help encourage believers not to be unequally yoked. God is great. He went beyond good some time ago. He is ready with the pitcher to fill your heart to overflowing with love. His only desire is you be available. And then pour it out on everybody you see. Can you imagine if just those of us in this room for the next week Every person we saw, regardless of whether we knew them or didn't know them, but we poured out love, the love of Christ to them. Can you imagine what a difference this Valentine's week would make? This would go down in history. Let's see if we can do it. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for being who you are. I thank you so much for giving me the opportunity to study in your word. And you point out, Lord, the the deficits that I have. I have some deficiencies in love. Lord, I, those I like, I can love easily. Those that I'm not fond of, I seem to be incapable of loving. And that's not acceptable in your world, in your kingdom. I need your help. I need you, Lord, to help me love everybody I come in contact with. I need you to help me die to me and live for them. I need you to help me be about your kingdom. And you're willing to. That's the thing I think that makes me the most sad at myself is the realization that you're waiting and ready to give me all the love I need to shower it upon everybody that I come in contact with. And somehow I ration it. Somehow I... I feel the need to hold on to it. Would you help me, Lord, to be different starting today and that the people around me would see the difference right now? Thank you, God, for the chance to be here with you today. Thank you for all these folks here and thank you for the great picture of love that this body is to me. And it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.